so the first session was on how to seek effectively. Um, we talked about heart preparation. Um, does anybody remember what were those two emphasis for those who were there? There should be a plan. And what's the second one? There should be a willing submission. Meaning there's no point in just seeking God with having no plan or seeking to do anything that is God-related, whether seeking the enlargement of His kingdom or His righteousness without a plan. There should also be willing submission. When I want to do uh, ministry, there are many things that are not pleasant to me. You understand? Uh, and, and sometimes, if you do true ministry, how can I say that? I was listening to the Great Controversy the other day. And there was a chapter that talked about all that live godly in Christ shall suffer persecution. And Ellen White there was saying, what we need to worry is not so much about persecution, but we need to worry about why we are not experiencing persecution. And she says, the reason we're not experiencing persecution is very obvious, because if you live godly, you will suffer persecution. Now, I'm not saying to be zealous out there and bulldoze people, but I'm saying that there is an annoyance. There, truth and error don't mix. And when you decide to follow God all the way, there will be opposition. There will be annoyance with just people, with, with just you being there. Sometimes you don't have to say anything. It's just they have this feeling that you think you're more holy than me, you know, type of thing, and, and there's that, that conflict. And you can be nice with them and so forth, especially family members. Um, you can sense that. So what I'm saying is that uh, there me needs to be heart preparation that, as Ezra, we covered, you will uh, seek, you will do, and you will teach. Make that in your mind from the start so that when opposition comes, you'll be able to go through, right? Um, we talked about, what's another character trait of a seeker? Humility. And what's the other tr character trait that we covered? Persistence. Importunity is what? <laughs> I think we should temper that a little bit, but you know, <laughs> imagine that literature evangelist, I would knock on the door, they close, I would knock again, they would close, I'd knock again, until they would buy. I think I'd get more sales for sure, but I'd get more police after me too. So <laughs> I think we need to be wise, right? This last session we talked about um, seek ye first the kingdom of God. So we talked the enlargement of the kingdom, practical steps on how to enlarge the kingdom. What was the principles that we base ourselves in the Word of God? The principle of, it starts with the letter C, compassion. Compassion leads us to meet what? Felt needs secondly, right? First. Compassion leads us to meet felt needs first. So if someone is hungry, we do what? If someone is thirsty, we do what? Give them water. If somebody is confused, what do we do? Teach them. If somebody is crying and is sad, what do we do? We comfort them, right? So we meet felt needs first. If we are zealous, we're filled with the truth, everybody needs Jesus, I should just pour out Jesus on you and, and just tell you Bible study. Is that what I should do? No. I should stop enough and long enough to do what? To care. People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. We went through Ministry of Healing and we found out that there's only one method. 
that can be revealing itself in many different ways and forms and shapes and sizes. But there's only one true method that will give true success. What was the first point? Mingle with people as one that decides they're good. So if I want to get involved in media, should I get involved in media? Yes, I can still get involved in media. But should it be a means to an end? Should media me be a means? Am I saying that right? Should that be all there is to it? No. Media is nice, but it definitely doesn't mingle with people. It doesn't definitely say, as Ministry of He's saying, to go where the people are, come close to them by personal effort. So it should only be a step in where I want to go. As a church, we've stopped at media. And we say, you know, this is the future, this is everything. Let's just do media. So nobody does anything. And if, if there's any personal thing, just come to the church, we'll pop a DVD, and hopefully you'll get attached somehow with the guy on the DVD. Now, I think there's a place for that. But it should be a point to get closer to people. The first point, mingle with people. Go out to where the people are. The only way to do is by knocking on door as a co-porter. Amen? Is that right? No. <laughs> what are other ways? Go where the people are. Go to the gym. Go to the school. Your workplace. You name it. Go to the mall. Go, go. Just go where the people are. Go to the churches. Visit Sunday churches. Just go there. Show up. You'd be amazed on how people welcome you. You make friends. Mingle with people. Have a plan. Have a plan. Mingle with people, right? What's the second step? Sympathy. What are ways that you can show sympathy? Face, the tone of voice, and your words, right? Comfort them through your words and so forth. What's the third one? Minister to their needs. Uh, friends, sometimes that takes money. Amen? I know about it. I'm in debt even now. <laughs> because some, but I'm telling you, minister to people's needs sometimes, many times, causes a little bit of inconvenience. Uh, if you have never been inconvenienced, you have never really known what it means to minister to people's needs. You know, you can minister to them, but it's not true ministry. It's just your surplus that you, that you really couldn't, could do without, right? So, and it's not just financial. It's your time. I think time is one of the highest gifts that we can give in this fast society. So minister to people's needs. Uh, what's the fourth step? Win their confidence. Is it something that um, happens automatically? I mean, I believe it happens because of step one, two, and three, right? But uh, sometimes it takes what? It takes what? Time. Meaning for, it to, for me, it needs, to be, it needs to be a goal. It needs to be a goal that I have in mind. And until I've reached that goal, I must give it time, right? Number five is what? Bathe and follow. That's when you ask people for decisions. Maybe ask them to come to church. That's the little decision you're asking them. Maybe ask them to study the Bible. I mean, there's, there's certain things that I just want to go out and have a Bible study. It doesn't work that way, especially with the, the, the it may work more with immigrant population, let me put it that way. But our experience with the average Canadian whatever that means, you understand? <laughs> it doesn't work that way. You need to really build on that before you can actually say, you know, would you mind if we have a little, you know, we can share, we can have a study of the Bible together. Is that, would that be okay with you? Um, 
And some of them will tell you yes at the beginning if you do it, but I'm telling you, by lesson two, they're not interested anymore, you know, or lesson three. And I've, I've done a lot of studies that way. The first one, people sign up, but by number two, they realize, oh, it's you again. Uh, you, you mean you're actually going to come to my house again? I mean, again? <laughs> it's amazing. That first visit, people are happy, they're praying. The next one, they don't even open the door, right? We need to follow this method. We talked about this, which is it is important to pray for the spirit of discernment, to know where people are at in their spiritual interests, because that will determine how I will be able to react or act and how I'll be able to fit this thing, you know? Because someone that is a seeker, I may be able to spend more time in my conversation or so forth sharing more about Christ. Someone that is not, I'll keep Christ completely out of the picture and I'll start talking about just what is in interest for them. We talked about practical ways, pray for divine appointments, pray that God will guide our conversation, different ways that we uh, structure in which we can guide the conversation, ask questions, share information, compliment individuals. And uh, it's amazing how when we pray for guidance, in my experience anyways, and I don't think I'm a special person, I think I'm a sinner, a chief of sinners as, as anyone, there's nothing, but I have seen that in my life, as a sinner, God has used me and has guided conversation, has given me divine appointments whenever I've prayed for it. So if you pray for it, it will come, right? So this time we're going to talk about uh, seek first his kingdom. What's the second thing? His righteousness. We're going to keep uh, maybe a short time on this because... I only have 15 minutes left. <laughs> 15 or 20, because I went overboard. And then the last one, we're going to do a little bit of a, uh, an exercise. 20 minutes? All right. So let's deal with that. And then the last workshop, we'll deal on ex a little exercise here. Uh, no faith, little faith, great faith. Is faith important, friends? Are you sure? Tell me, why do you think faith is important? Very good. So in Hebrews, it tells us that without faith, it's impossible to please God. So it must be important because faith brings pleasure to the heart of God, right? In Romans chapter 5, verse 1, we'll flip really quickly. Just a few points on faith. Romans chapter 5. Um, actually, let's do Romans 3.22 first. Romans 3. Can someone read that for me? Romans 3.22. So here, uh, there's a whole context behind this. But we see here that righteousness is brought about by what? By? Faith. So if we are to seek first his kingdom, if we are to seek first his righteousness, how are we to seek that righteousness? It's by? Faith. Very good. So faith is an important point in seeking the righteousness of God, right? Uh, in uh, in uh, Romans 5.1, Flip there real quick for me. Someone read that for me. Romans 5, verse 1. And so our justification, meaning our forgiveness of sins and the alleviation of the guilt and so forth, is by what? Is by 
Faith, very good. So is it important? Acts 26. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. We're justified by faith. In Acts 26, verse 18, can someone read that? Acts 26, verse 18. We are justified by what? We are sanctified by what? Faith. Faith. Very good. So is faith important? In Revelation 14, 22, you should know that text. Here's the patience of the saints. Here are they that keep the commandments of God and have the Faith. faith of Jesus. So those that will be standing and will experience, as it were, glorification, will be able to stand before God, uh, and be glorified without tasting death, they will do so because of the faith of Jesus. So faith is extremely important in seeking out the righteousness of God. We're going to talk about no faith, little faith, and great faith. Do you have great faith? Do you have little faith? Do do you have faith? (laughs) Where do you fall in here? Who here has no faith? Who here has great faith? Okay, so I guess you're all in here. (laughs) Great, okay. (laughs) Um, Great faith, no faith. Luke 18, if you can turn there with me. Luke chapter 18. In Luke chapter 18, Jesus makes a statement. Luke 18, verse 8, he says, I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. He's talking about um, the uh, widow. Uh, It's a parable that he had. I tell you he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man cometh, shall he find what? Faith on the earth. So Christ asks a question. He says, when I'm going to come down again, am I going to find faith? So if there is a question mark, there obviously is a, there's a problem. Are you, are you with me, maybe, or no? Right, there's a problem. Meaning if everybody had faith, or a little bit of faith, then, then it would be great. Okay, I, I will find faith. I know I will find faith, so it's a rhetorical question to ask. I mean, why would you ask that? But it's because that there's so little faith, or maybe there's where there is no faith, that he asks, will I find faith, right? In uh, James chapter... No, Romans 12, verse 3. Romans 12, 3 gives another principle about faith. Romans 12, verse 3, it says, Romans 12, verse 3. It says, For I say through the grace given unto me that every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly according as God has dealt to every man the measure of what? Faith. Everybody, it seems here, is given a measure of faith. In James chapter 2, look there with me. James chapter 2, verse 19. So Christ asked, will I find faith? Christ asked, will I find faith? Romans tells us everyone is given a measure of faith. And in James chapter 2, verse 19, the Bible says, Thou believest that there is 
one God, thou doest well. The devils also what? Believe and tremble. But wilt thou know, O vain man, that faith without what? Works is dead. So here we see uh, everyone is given a measure of faith. The devils, but we believe that, we see that the devils believe or have some kind of faith. But is their faith really useful? Is there a saving component to their faith, to the devils? It's not a trick question, friends. <laughs> okay. So the, the devils believe and tremble, right? Okay. So they have faith, right? Yes. Or a kind of faith, right? Okay. Mark chapter 4, verse 40. Mark 4, verse 40. Can someone read that one for me? This is uh, after the storm on the lake of uh, Galilee, I believe it is. Mark, Mark 440. He said to them, Why are you so fearful? How is it you have no faith? So he, Christ looks at pagan guys and tells them, Listen, you have no faith. Is that what he does? Who does he say that to? Wow. These are disciples that have left their home and everything to follow Christ. How many of you have left your home to follow Jesus? How many of you have left your, your family behind and you sleep under the stars and you don't know where you're going to get your next meal and you don't know? These are people that have left their livelihood and everything. And Christ turns around and looks at them and says, you have no what? Faith. Wow. No faith. Uh, how would you feel if Christ told you that? Now, none of you believe that you're in this category, right? Or are you re starting to question? <laughs> Christ looks at his disciples and he tells them, how is it that you have no faith? Uh, here in this context, we see that no faith is synonymous with what? With what? Being fearful, right? So, no faith, I would say, you can say an atheist. And I would even call it an atheist Christian. That's right, meaning... Now, I think before we move on, that th there seems to be a conflict here because Jesus turns around and tells somebody they have no faith, but then Paul says everyone is given a measure of faith. So how come everyone is given a measure of faith, but then Jesus says you have no faith? And so I believe it's important to denote that uh, sometimes when the Bible speaks about faith, it speaks about faith in God, right? So everybody has faith. Even the devils believe and tremble. So, I can have faith in, in uh, that the world is going to end in 2012. I can have faith with back in those guys two months ago, a month or two ago, that Jesus is going to come back. Now, that faith is not based on the Word of God. It's not based on Christ. It's faith that is completely useless. You know, just like faith that the, the, the devils believe, has a certain belief, but it's useless, right? So faith, sometimes when the Bible speaks about faith, it speaks about faith in God. So 
you have no faith is that you have no faith in God. You can have faith in yourself, you can have faith in your parents, in your credit card, but that will be of no avail. You have, in that circumstances, you have no faith. So, no faith, an atheist has no faith. How can you believe? Hebrews says, he to have faith must believe. No. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. For he that... Yes. The first step is that you must believe that he exists. That's the first step. You must believe that he exists. That's the first foundational principle. And then, yes, that he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him, right? So, an atheist. An atheist Christian would be this example that we've just read about. An atheist Christian is a Christian that believes in God, that believes God exists, that believes in Jesus Christ, that believes maybe even he's, he's in the Messiah, but in his life, it doesn't change anything in his life. There is no change. It doesn't affect anything that he does, that he, you know. So these disciples, just the fact that they have God Almighty beside them doesn't change anything. They're going to die. This is a guy that created the water, but they're going to die anyways. And, and I'm not judging them because most likely I would have done, unfortunately, the same thing. But the fact that they have God Almighty right there, um, atheist Christians, how, how much less us who don't have God Almighty beside us, you know? Uh, many of us, I believe, at times fall into that category. Um, enough faith to believe in the existence of God, but not enough faith to believe in God. Uh, not just... Um, and, and, and that can be seen... Um, it's a knowledge of God that doesn't make any true difference in our lives, especially in times of crisis. You know, there are some individuals when crisis, heat, crisis, crisis hits, that they just hold tight to Christ. You know, that's, but there's other people that when crisis hits because they were Christian atheists, um, instead of holding on to Christ, they are pushed even further. You know, because they, it never really made any difference in the first place, their belief. It didn't change anything in their lives, right? Then we have little faith, right? Little faith is, let's look at Matthew 14. Uh, there's a few examples in the Bible where Christ uh, mentions uh, to his disciples, of all people, you know, you'd understand if he would mention it to his, the Pharisees and those hypocrites and scribes or whatever, but he mentions it to people that have left everything for Christ. In Matthew 14, uh, it's, it's, it's Peter in this example, how he gets out of the boat, you know, and he's coming to follow Christ, and he starts walking on, on the water. To walk on water? <laughs> so, I haven't walked on, I have actually on ice, but... <laughs> uh, on the fourth watch, 1425, of the night, Jesus went unto them walking on the sea. When the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It's a spirit, meaning they thought it was a ghost, and they cried out for fear. But straightway Jesus spake unto them, saying, Be it a good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come unto the water. And he said, Come. And when Peter was come out of the ship, he what? Walked on water. Wow, do you know that little faith is enough to walk on water? You know, if you have just a little faith, 
Walk on water, in other words, is, is impossible. You know, the fact that you can live a victorious life, the, li- the fact that you can overcome uh, certain traits of character, it, it's impossible. But with faith, by faith you can be justified, by faith you can be sanctified, you can be set apart for a holy purpose, you can walk on water. And all you need is little faith. So he starts walking on water, right? Amazing. I've never done it yet except for ice. He says, and Jesus says, come. And Peter was come down to the ship. He walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him and said unto him, what? Oh, thou of little faith, wherefore did thou doubt? I believe that most of us fall into this category and then this category and sometimes we're back into this category and then this category. Little faith um, is enough faith to step out. Little faith is enough faith to step out, to live, to do, to dare, to preach, to pray, to minister, to witness, to visit, to change. Little faith is enough to step out and do these things. But little faith allows circumstances, situation, and individuals to eclipse Christ. So there's that start, just enough to get us out. But not enough so that when there's the winds boisterous or whatever other things come, you know, or pride, that was another thing Peter looked back, hey, look, I'm walking on water or just trying to see what they're thinking. Different things allows things to eclipse Christ. And when he lost sight of Christ, that was it. He started to sink. The impossibility, the impossible became impossible, right? You're with me. (laughs) What he was impossibly doing turned out to be impossible, right? Uh, Because he was doing enough with Christ. So little faith just to, um, just to, is enough faith to step out. But um, easily, eclipsed by people, circumstances, situations, pride, you name it. And then there is big faith or great faith. There was only two people in the whole Bible that uh, Jesus mentioned had great faith. Do you guys remember who they were? The centurion was one. The woman of Cana. Was either of them Seventh-day Adventist? Both of them were Gentiles, right? Both of them did not even go to church. And uh, so it's, 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 it's very interesting. Both of them were seekers. And friends, that's an amazing thought. And it makes me shudder sometimes when I think, could it be, could it be that many of us think that we have faith and we don't? Many of us think, and, I, and I'm talking to myself because when I started, I'm just sharing with you just a synopsis. 
But when I started to actually start studying more in depth, which I don't have time, of what are other traits of character of little faith, because there's, and it'd be a good study at home, there's other places where Christ spoke about little faith. And just study the context of why he said little faith, what characterized that little faith. It's amazing how my life just comes out, you know? And, and little faith is nice, but I'm telling you, little faith will not get us there. <laughs> it will not get us there. Little faith is nice to start with, but we must have great faith, especially if we're going to live in these last days, go through something called Jacob's time of trouble, be able to stand before God, you know, without an interest. These thoughts, great faith. Now, you don't know when you actually have great faith. None of these two people, the, the centurion or whatever, didn't even know this concept of faith and justification. And so they had no clue, but they had it. And Jesus turned around and says, great faith these individuals had. So just in closing, let's just look at um, a couple characteristics of, of great faith. Um, just quickly... Matthew 8, we'll just look at one, just to review, remind us. Um, Matthew chapter 8, verse 6, uh, it's the centurion that came to Christ, and uh, my servant is sick, lies palsy. Jesus says, I will come and heal. The centurion answered and said, Lord, I'm not worthy that you should come under my roof, but speak the word only and my servant shall be healed. For I'm a man under authority, having soldiers under me, and I say to this man, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes, and to my servant, do this, and he doeth it. When Jesus heard it, he marveled and said to them that followed, Verily I say unto you, I have not found so great what? Faith. No, not in Israel. So here we see great faith. What did the centurion expect would do the work? The word. Did he expect Christ or the word? Because Jesus said, I'm going to come and I'm going to heal him. So, because Christ needs to come to heal him, right? But he says, no, no, you don't need to do that. Just the word alone. If you just speak, it will happen. I believe in it. So, of course, one very important trait of great faith is to believe the word and the word only. To expect to, that it will do what it says it will do. Uh, this is Lessons on Faith, A.T. Jones. Faith expects the Word of God to do what it says and depends upon that Word only to do what it says. What is faith? Is simply taking God at His Word. It is believing that God will do just as He has promised. It's based upon the Word of God. Uh, it's the same thing with the woman that went out. She said, your daughter is healed. And she believed and she left. Believing that she is healed, even though she could not see. And that's how when you read something that says, faith is a substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, it starts making a little bit more sense of what true great faith is all about, right? Um, great, that's right, that's right. Now, I just want to um, read this quote. There's so many quotes out there in the, in the Bible about, or even in the spirit of prophecy on um, on uh, faith versus feelings. Because I believe that one of the greatest um, enemy to us having great faith is us having great feelings. Are you with me? 
Um, in Ephesians, it says, by grace are you saved through feelings, and that not of yourself, it is the gift of God. Is that what the Word of God says? Because if I don't feel saved, I am not saved, obviously. Right? Because one that is saved should feel that he's saved. Amen? You're not with me. <laughs> so, so I surrender my heart to God in the morning, and I get up, and I don't feel saved. Therefore, I am not saved. Is that right? I mean, shouldn't I have a little something there that says, you know, I'm a little saved, just a little bit? Just a little? So when I get up from my knees, you're saying that I'm saved, even if I don't feel like it? Wow. So let's take it a step further. Um, I'm an alcoholic. I have to confess. <laughs> Just kidding, but it's good for your soul. I'm an alcoholic. I struggle with alcohol. So when I kneel in the morning, I pray, I surrender the alcohol, everything to God. When I get up, I believe I'm a new creature. I don't feel it. I don't feel it. But by faith, I believe I am. But then I walk past this table, and they're serving alcohol. And I have a desire to go there. And something tells me, you know what? I must not have a new heart, because if I had a new heart, then I wouldn't want the alcohol. Therefore, um, therefore, that experience that I thought I had, it's, it's bogus. So might as well just go and take a drink, right? Now, when I got off from my knees, do you all agree that by faith, I was surrendered to God in spite of my feelings? You're all with me on that one. Okay. So even though I don't have a feeling or an emotion, sometimes we do, sometimes we don't, but we don't walk by feelings, we walk by what? Faith. So by faith, I'm a new creature. I get out and I see that booze and I want it. Is it true that I'm not converted? I was never converted or else I would never have wanted it? Are you sure? Are you sure? So explain to me what just happened. Is temptation sin? If I have a new heart, will I still want sin? Very good, very good, very good. I believe that faith goes into every aspect of our lives. I believe that we sometimes must love by faith. And that's hard because love is an emotion, or so we think. But love is not an emotion. Love is a principle. And sometimes emotions are there and sometimes they're not. Should I marry someone that I don't have feelings for? I'm messing with your brain. <laughs> you ever heard of arranged marriages? Do they work sometimes? 
Did it work in the case of Isaac? Oh, I guess she was beautiful. So what if she was not so beautiful? Would it still have worked? Faith. Faith. Faith versus feelings. One of the greatest enemies of faith is feelings. When I get up from my knees, by faith I'm a new creature, whether I feel it or whether I don't. I may actually feel guilt. I feel guilt. I still feel guilt. Before, it was a guilt to lead me to repentance. But after is a guilt that Satan is trying to put back on me. It's the same feeling. I feel exactly the same. The only difference is in my mind, I know that one is I'm really guilty, and the other one is just Satan trying to put guilt on me. But the feeling is the same, right? Whatever emotion it may be, I get up from my knees, I may have a happy flight of emotions, or I may actually feel kind of depressed. But by faith, I believe I had asked for forgiveness, I have asked for a new heart, I have claimed the promises, and by faith I get up and I am a new creature. It's the power of faith. So when I walk and I see that booze that I want to drink, I believe I'm a new creature still because temptation is not sin. So then I look at the booze and I say, no, I am a new creature. I submit myself to God. I resist the devil and he will what? Flee, Flee from me. Faith, sometimes I need to forgive by faith. Sometimes I need to love by faith. And I know it becomes very, if he has offended me, we are such emotional beings that it's very difficult for me to forgive unless I feel forgiveness. Are you with me? Or else I feel like what? A hypocrite. And the more that this man has hurt me, because he is, Daniel hurt me a lot. <laughs> he didn't. But let's say he did. He God forgive, he, he killed my mom. And it, it was an accident. He just ran over her. And so, but I just can't forgive him. I mean, he was reckless and whatever. The deeper he hurts me, the more faith I need, the less I can depend on my emotions. And friends, I've had certain people in my life that have hurt me, as I'm sure you have. And I've had to forgive them by faith. There's a difference between faith and hypocrisy. Hypocrisy comes like this and says, hi, I forgive you. You're fine. Thank you. Just get out of my life. No, just, just we're going to be friends. And Meaning, in my heart, I'm just going to him and I'm trying to forgive him. By faith is I surrender myself to God and I claim the promises and I still go to him. Both times in my heart, I feel bitterness, I feel frustration, I, I have all these feelings, but I walk by feelings? No, I walk by faith, great faith. Great faith doesn't look at people, doesn't look at situation, doesn't look at circumstances. Ba great faith is based on the word and the word alone. So when I go to him, I stretch out my hand. In my heart, there's still a turmoil, but I have learned I'm a new creature. I have surrendered the bitterness to God. And now it's just a feeling of bitterness that's coming to me. I've given it to, I've surrendered the, everything. Now, can I forget? No, I can't forget what he's done. But I can choose not to remember. There's a difference, friends. I don't believe in forgive and forget. Because when someone's killed my mom, 
I'll never forget it. But I can choose not to bring it back to my mind. And do you know that there's some people that have hurt me and I choose not to remember the scenarios and now years later the details are vague? You know why they're vague? Because I refuse to think about it. I ref- it's not that I, I've forgotten, but thy sins I will remember no more, Jesus says. He'll still, he's God. I mean, how can you? But he will choose not to think about it anymore. So I shake his hand, but I've submitted myself to God in spite of the feelings. I go and I ask for forgiveness. And I, I or I, I forgive him. And friends, what I've experienced is sometimes the feelings come right away. You know, like you've, I don't know if you've read um, Corey Tamboom, amazing story about forgiveness. If you haven't read it, read, it, read her book, or there's a movie out there. Uh, and she talks about how she met the guy that tortured his, her and her sister or whatever, and, and she stretched out her hand, and in spite of the turmoil, by faith she stepped up, and, and she says, as soon as the hand touched, it's like the emotion just, and the love just flowed through her. Sometimes emotions flow. And sometimes, you know what, it takes months, sometimes years for these emotions to go. And that's a tough one. You know, some people say, I quit cigarettes. I, I don't, the, day, the day I quit, I don't have a desire for it. And some people have struggled for years. You know, 20 years later, haven't touched a cigarette, but every time they smell, it's a struggle. And God, in his wisdom, that's his business when he wants to take away the feelings and whatever, or he decides you've had enough. But one thing is for sure, whether it takes five seconds or whether it takes five years, walking by faith is based on the word of God and the word of God alone, right? So let's review. No faith. Are there people with no faith? Well, we're all given a measure of faith, but no faith in God, definitely. Atheist, and there's atheist Christians. What is an atheist Christian? (laughs) Someone that lives as if there is no God. I mean, believes in God, believes in Christ, believes in everything, but the life is as if God doesn't exist, you know? And everything that is Christian is cultural. It has nothing to do with really a heart, right? Then there's little faith. Little faith is enough to step out, enough to step out, but it's easily eclipsed by different things, by people, circumstance, situation, pride, something that is very emotional, should I say. You know, understands a little bit God wants me to do something, but is based a lot on our emotions. And great faith. Great faith doesn't look at circumstances, doesn't look at people, doesn't look at, at, at their pride, doesn't look at looks at the Word of God only and believes that the Word of God has power to do what it says it will do. Friends, in these last days, we must learn to trust the Word of God ultimately. If we don't learn that lesson, when you read Jacob's time of trouble in the Bible and even more fleshed out in the great controversy, there's no way you're gonna, we're going to go through that if we don't learn to trust God's word and his word alone. Uh, very basic principles, but I pray that God will help us to have great faith. And uh, there's so much more that uh, on faith, but let's just end it at that.
We're going to end our session um, with prayer. The last session, what we're going to deal with is we're going to do a little exercise on uh, expectations and see what God will help us to do. Let's pray. Father in heaven, as we've looked a little bit on faith, there's so much more in your word on it. But just the basic principles. Father, at time, we've acted as if we have no faith. At times, we've acted as if we have little faith. And Lord, so few are the times where we can say that we had great faith in you, that we didn't allow anything to eclipse us from you. But we realize that without great faith, without that ultimate trust, consistent trust, wholehearted trust and belief in you, it's impossible to truly please you. Father, our desire is to bring pleasure, joy, happiness to your heart. We know that we've been created for your glory. We ask forgiveness where we have failed in the past. And as we seek your righteousness, help us to understand the power of great faith, the power of your word. And Father, as we learn to trust in your word, help us not to give so much feeling and weight or so much space to our emotions and to know that emotions will come and go but we can truly enjoy them fully in a earth made new. Thank you, Lord, for helping us with these things. We ask all this in the name of Jesus.